Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, Chief Monkey of Wall Street Oasis, and this is Monkey to Millions, a show where you get a front row seat as I mentor young students and professionals to try and help them break into their dream jobs. In the first cohort, you'll meet four students, all preparing for intense job interviews while trying to also balance a personal life and schoolwork. The goal of this show is to shine a light on the struggles of trying to break into competitive positions with a non-traditional background and to give you a roadmap for your own success. My hope is that as you get to know these four impressive students, you're inspired to dream big. Remember, these are real people and this is their true story. Let's get to it. In Grace's seventh session, we talk about the new realities of life and recruiting with coronavirus, moving Fordham classes online. We also spend a good chunk of this session doing a mock interview with some technical questions around the market or sessions, and basically any questions she should be ready for. Listen to what I think she needs to keep working on to make sure she is super polished when interviews start back up. But first, hear from Grace over the previous few weeks leading up to this session. So it's been an interesting few weeks. Yesterday, my school announced that they're moving all classes online for the rest of this week and then after spring break for the rest of March. And they're urging everyone to move off campus and go home. I got special permission to stay in housing so that I can go into my internship, um, I guess the week after spring break, that last week and a half of March um, when our classes resume online still. But other, aside from that, um, I had a few really good coffee chats and phone calls last week, a few especially good ones. And then as well, because my spring break travel plans were canceled because of the virus, I am able to go next week to a freshman, sophomore diversity day that Jeffries is having, if they still have it, because I know a lot of the banks have been canceling their various programs because of the virus. So. We'll see if that still happens and hopefully it uh, stays on and I'm able to go. All right, Grace, what episode is this? What session? Seven? I think so. It's been a Something while. Like that. <laughs> yeah. What kind of craziness has unfolded since we last <laughs> talked. Yes. Are you out of the city already? Yes. I'm back at home right now. You're in Maryland? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, good. You got out because New York is really bad right now. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, tell me a little bit about what's going on. Um, obviously, you're not able to work in your internship. I think the school year is probably going to be done. Right. Yeah, I'm online the rest of the school year now. Have they already said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, here they canceled. I'm in California. They canceled school through May until May. But I think it's going to probably okay. be just done for the year and then yeah. summer school maybe. <laughs> for the kids, hopefully they can go back because it's crazy here right yeah. now. Um, 
but yeah, tell me a little bit about what's going on. Are you, I mean, obviously it was probably really hectic the last few weeks as things kind of ramped up and got scarier. Did you, mm-hmm. did you know like, Hey, you're going to get out right away? Yeah. So, um, my school was pretty proactive in getting everyone out. So oh, yeah. I was, um, I wasn't really allowed to like, since I live on campus, so I wasn't really allowed to stay in on-campus housing. So I've been home for about two weeks. I went back one day last week to get some of my stuff from my room. Mm. Um, but other than that, I've been home doing online classes. <laughs> so, Is and then with weird? my internship, there's, yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. I haven't left my house in like six days. Oh. Um, <laughs> Is there any I, sort of lockdown or stay in shelter in place in Maryland yet? Kind of. I mean, everything's closed. So yeah. I really only go to the grocery store. <laughs> This is nuts. This is nuts. Yeah, I can tell you I've never seen anything like this. Um, mm-hmm. 2008 was very different in the sense it was kind of uh, more of a gradual kind of screeching halt um, right. rather than like a sudden, you know, two, three week, just everything stops, which is mm-hmm. kind of unprecedented. Um, but hopefully, you know, as we go get through April, the, the numbers start slowing down a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And then, with my internship too, there's not a whole lot I can do remotely, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll send me a few things every once in a while, but not much. So, luckily, you have time on your side, so you're okay. I mean, I yeah, feel exactly. bad for my other mentee, John. Right. He's graduating into this, mm-hmm. and yeah. he doesn't have anything lined up yet. I mean, he has some interviews still lined up, but he's in a really tough spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just like telling him like if you can get anything just take anything right now <laughs> right. with like a salary you know um because I think it's going to be a pretty deep recession if not depression um, right especially if it drags through April like if if we can't even have partial openings in April mm-hmm. um it's going to be bad um yeah I'm glad it's I guess this is the best year for me for it to happen as a freshman so <laughs> yeah so we'll see what happens I think um Hopefully the the healthcare systems can handle um, the surge that's coming in the next week or two. Um, right. I think it's going to be the worst this week. And this week I thought would be really bad. And then next week, hopefully, it's going to be really bad next week. Some people are saying like end of April. But I think there was enough stuff put in place, at least here in California and I think New York, where people started taking it seriously like halfway mm-hmm. through March. That I, I'm hopeful, you know, early April, we start seeing some of the, the impact from that. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, how is everything else going? Are you still doing networking? Like, are you trying to like still do outreach and calls or what's the... Yeah, I mean, it's slowed down a little bit. Um, but right now, at least since I've been home, I've mostly just... Like, I have I had like five phone calls this week still, but a lot of them were people, if they referred me directly to someone else, I haven't really been like reaching out to some people cold like the past couple people. weeks. Just because, yeah. yeah, I know it's been... Since it's... um unprecedented situation but it's kind of um, awkward to be reaching up like hey can we chat about your career when they're like scrambling right. <laughs> to like try to figure so i think yes yeah, some some just common sense around if you do if and when you do start kind of starting that up again in april just being sensitive to those right things and even just making content you know understand if you're too busy you know maybe mm-hmm. can wait till the summer um maybe right. sometime in the summer we can chat kind of thing and the people tend to be more open to that. Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk. And then and when you do reach out <laughs> and follow up, they'll be more apt to actually get on the phone with you. Although some some people may be open 
to chatting because they're stuck at home and they're bored and they like that. Yeah. Human, they, they like give you human interaction, like outside right. of my family, my immediate family. Yeah. Uh, Who I've talked to this week have said like their schedule's more flexible now. So it's easier for them to do that kind of thing now. Yeah. So yeah, it might be good for you to continue just building those relationships and stuff. Do you ever do video chats with people or is it always just phone audio? No, it's just phone calls. Yeah. It's, it's too bad. Like, I feel like face-to-face is so much better, like just to get to mm-hmm. people. Um, right. But so what else is going on? So I think um, obviously everything's online. You're just going to finish your courses, do some mm-hmm. sort of online exams. Yeah. Online exams. Um, yeah. Basically a lot of the spring um, like exploratory days at the banks are now all online too. So like the RBC one, that I was going to go to is online. And then yeah. there was one for Macquarie that was just canceled. And then <laughs> Credit Suisse is now online too. So <laughs> yeah. less opportunity to like actually meet people in person, unfortunately. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you've also done a lot more legwork than a lot of freshmen. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be in a better spot. So it's all relative. Um, right. The question is how protracted this downturn becomes you know, if it's like really mm-hmm. bad, if it's like ends up being a deep recession for a couple of years, um, hopefully by the time you're kind of junior coming senior, you're, we're headed back out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there is a, there is an outside case, an optimistic case where things start gradually opening up by, you know, end of April, early May, and then we're ramped by the summer and mm-hmm. things kind of get back to normal. I just don't I think there's going to be some longstanding impact on the economy because some, some businesses are not going to survive. Right. Uh, so yeah, it just depends, uh, you know, depends on the curve. Basically we can't really don't have that much control over it right. to get ahead of it. So um, just play it by ear in terms of just other stuff. I think obviously keep your grades up. Um, and then this summer, the plan was to be doing an internship, right? Yeah. And I hopefully we'll be able to be back in the city that, I mean, I guess it depends on how things play out, but I want to get back up there as soon as I can. So. Yeah. I mean, my guess is they probably won't let you back. My guess is they probably won't do office, like in office till like May or June. But even if you could go in June, July and just do two months, mm-hmm. that's still really worth it. Right. Um, but right now, yeah, I'm hopefully, hopefully June, July, August, you can get some great exposure mm-hmm. in that internship. But um, anything else? How are the calls going? Tell me about those. Are they? Um, they've been really good. So I talked to. I mean, recently it's been mostly alum, mm-hmm. um, but and especially younger alumni. So they've been really helpful with kind of referring me to other people to talk to, and then um, awesome. offering to help me out with getting an internship next summer um, at the banks that do offer sophomore spots. So that's been good. It's been promising. Yeah, that's competitive, right? The sophomore slots Mm -hmm. yeah because not all banks do it to begin with and then banks that do have very limited number of positions (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but it's been good especially at some banks now i think i was talking to someone from barclays yesterday and they said they've built up actually like a really good position recruiting wise and they get a guaranteed number of super day spots for fordham students there and um so they're almost on the same level as like a yale or harvard in terms of um the recognition that Fordham students awesome. get recruiting there. Awesome. And that's for just Barclays, the, the IB, IBD mm-hmm. general, general bucket, yeah. general pool. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, if you can make, 
do you know, I think there is some threads on Wall Street Oasis about sophomore programs. I don't know if you've seen them. Let me see if I can dig mm-hmm. it out for you. Have you seen any of those or have you? I've seen some of them, yes. Um, Essay. I guess a lot of them open the end of this summer into applications open end of the summer into the fall. Okay. Um, um, let's see here. Have you seen this list, 43 diversity recruiting programs and investment banks? The most exhaustive list. Have you seen that thread? Um, I don't think so. I have really? I have an Excel sheet that um, some in. upperclassmen at Fordham have made, and that's has at least 20 some. Check this out because there may be some programs you could join, some other programs. Mm-hmm. I just sent you a link to that. For people listening, okay. it's 43 diversity recruiting programs at investment banks, the most exhaustive list. So if you are um, an under, underrepresented um and fall into the underrepresented category, um, whether female or minority. Uh, oh, okay. You can, there's lots of um, diversity programs here that you can look at. That's like look at Blackstone Group Future Women Leaders Program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen I'm, these? I've seen a lot of them. And then there's a few of them that I know have been, been discontinued yeah. in the past year or two um, as they focus just on sophomores. Um, and some of the freshman ones they don't do anymore interesting yeah so there's that um then the other thing i wanted to point to was the sophomore internship thread that one was a good one summer analyst recruiting Mm. advice to get a bulge bracket summer internship (laughs) Does the sophomore summer matter? Yes. <laughs> sophomore internship advice. Here we go. I'll take a look at these discussions right here too. See if you've, um, you probably already know about most of these. It's probably similar. Um, but just in case you find one, you might find a new one. And obviously a lot of these, this is going to be for next year, but like going into your sophomore year, you want to kind of have these on your radar. Started making an Excel sheet with all the deadlines, at least the deadlines from this year, so I know when things are coming up. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I think basically, um, I mean, you're in as good a shape as you can be. Obviously, hopefully this this summer you do get that experience. If not, um, you may want to spend some time just continuing, you know, financial modeling training, that type of stuff, so you can at least. Mm-hmm put on more of the hours. I don't remember if we put that in your, on your resume, like number of hours you've trained with it. No, um, I haven't. So like once you do, ha- like, I think you should do that regardless whether you have the internship or not mm-hmm. um, in person. I think you should do a lot more financial modeling training and put the number of hours you specifically have, have invested mm-hmm. there. Um, okay. So that you can just get super efficient and fast in Excel. Like there's no reason okay. why you can't come into your junior junior internship and be like a financial modeling wizard and PowerPoint <laughs> wizard where <laughs> you're not touching your mouse and everyone's like, Whoa, right. who, is, who is this girl? Like, because it's, a, you'd be shocked at like how a, an actual banker, if they see somebody that's young doing thing correctly, how it would like really impress them versus somebody like the normal sophomore or freshman is like using their mouse or they're used to a Mac. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, even in just the few months of my internship so far, I've already learned so much with especially PowerPoint. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah. PowerPoint's like a big one. Um, and then Excel just being super efficient mm -hmm. in Excel, um, is, is super helpful, um, to, to, for financial modeling and whatnot, as you build up like your financial statement, modeling skills, your MA modeling skills, valuation specifically. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's just like for banking specifically, it's a lot about how you present stuff. So like the mm -hmm. quick keys and formatting, how to quickly format cells and like align align mm -hmm. things and stuff. It sounds right. silly, but that's a huge percent of your percentage of your job. So if you can be like just twenty percent more efficient instead of working like eighty five hours a week, you're working more like you know sixty five seventy. Mm -hmm. Right. So it can it can really or or they just you're so good that they load you up with more deals and <laughs> you get better deal experience. <laughs> but then you're you get a good bonus um, and have a lot of uh, opportunities coming out of banking. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, how can I help in this kind of time of uncertainty? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I've been, um, like, I know last time we talked, you'd said just to be kind of, even if it's only 15 or 30 minutes a week, just kind of going over like technicals and basic. Um, yes. to keep oh, we talked fresh. about doing a mock interview. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, especially like on the, the wall street oasis guide, like, mm -hmm. like even just the basic section, I've just been kind of going over that periodically try to keep things fresh. on the tech on the technicals yeah on the technicals do you want to do like a short mock interview right now would that be helpful um, i guess so <laughs> you're like you were ready for it and then i didn't even bring it up <laughs> you're like i don't know if i want to do this <laughs> i don't um, know how ready i am but <laughs> that's okay i mean that's that's why it's a mock right mm -hmm. uh, i think it's helpful to do it in somewhat of a um somewhat of a a, a pressure situation right uh, with the, the camera rolling because you, there there are higher views um, right there are stuff like that so maybe we can do more of a can you send me can you just ping me right now your latest resume because i can kind of use that we mm -hmm. can do a blend of technical and behavioral yeah, okay. if that's mm -hmm. okay or do you want to yes. just keep it technical um i'm fine with either i yeah. guess a mix is probably good okay cool let me i might have it right here grace resume let me see here. Yeah, here we go. Okay. I have one from January 31st, which I think is probably mm -hmm. close enough. Okay. So we'll just do like 10 minutes, okay? 10, 15 minutes. Okay. It doesn't have to be long. So Grace, thanks so much for joining us and coming in for an interview today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I think I lost you for a sec. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Did you hit the volume by accident? No. Oh, you're good now. Okay, so Grace, <laughs> thanks so much for coming in to join us. Yes, thank you for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give me a, a short uh, walkthrough through your resume. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm a freshman at Fordham currently studying global business and finance, and I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. And so around the age of nine years old, I was diagnosed with the rare neuromuscular disease and that led me to undergo several hospitalizations and surgeries over the course of several years. And so as this happened, I had the opportunity to uh, become involved at the hospital on the Johns Hopkins Teen and Children's Advisory Council. And on that council, I've been able to advise on various hospital initiatives, both strategic and customer service related. And um, through those experiences, I've also been selected to represent the Youth Voice on 
various hospital panels um, to audiences of hospital leadership and different physicians. And so at, in, during this time in high school, these experiences really helped um, cultivate my communication skills and sense of confidence in presenting my ideas. Did you ever voice. think of going into medicine since you seem to be really into healthcare? Um, I, and the, by the way, I may be a jerk just to push you a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Don't get, <laughs> just try to keep your composure, but I'm just going to try to push you to, to, you know, little areas and stuff like that. Just right. to how you, you know, but go ahead. Um, the medical aspect never interested me as the technical medical aspect, but the part that I really enjoyed was being able to collaborate with other people and providing input and thinking of solutions for various problems in the hospital. So the um, more strategic aspect is what I really enjoyed um, being able to give in the council. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, why, so what, what interested you in finance or investment banking? Um, around the same time when I was in high school, I read a book called The Ascent of Money, which is essentially, it's written by a British economist and it essentially gives a history of the world in terms of the first banks and stock markets and insurance markets. And that's what first introduced me to a lot of the different parts of finance that are out there. And it made me want to look into more what is a stock and how does it work? And so on my own, I began to look into what these different things were and the different careers related to that. And that's how I stumbled upon um, investment banking and finance in particular. So because I have no family in the industry and anywhere in finance, I um, began to reach out to people in my local area who work in different parts of finance. And in particular, I spoke with a principal at JMI Equity, a growth equity firm, and a senior investment banker at a, a local investment bank. And I got to hear from them about the work they do. And that really interested me in um, seeing the impact they've got to have on um, a wide range of businesses. So that's what um, really interested me in finance and investment banking in particular. So um, what specifically about the job did you find most interesting though? Um, well, for investment banking, I yeah. saw the different, um, all the different industries, um, types of companies that um, this one woman got to work with. And she, um, some of the specific deals that she was telling me about, um, each had different, each had unique characteristics. So I guess um, how dynamic it was, um, was also what it, interested me in it. Was she doing like M&A work? Was she, what type of deals was she doing? Mostly M&A. Mostly M&A. Do you know if it was sell side or buy side? Uh, sell side mostly. Okay. okay. Um, great. So I think um, I'd love to hear your opinion of what's going on with the stock market lately. Have you been following it? Yes. <laughs> so I know the, it was the shortest bear market in history just ended. Um, but I guess there's also the possibility that because this situation is going to extend or stay for a while, there's probably a lot more volatility in store. Yeah. Um, do you feel like now's a good time to, to be investing in equities? Uh, I guess that depends on risk tolerance. <laughs> would you, would you, if you had say a hundred thousand dollars, what would you do right now with that money? How would you allocate it? Or how would you tell, like, if you were an investor, how would you tell someone to allocate that money right now? Um, well, at least for someone in my position who's young and um, doesn't need money for retirement anytime soon, I would invest um, probably, especially in a lot of the technology companies and those um, 
that had the focus on being able to do things remotely and those who were developing those technologies. And then also um, looking at some of the other areas that are very undervalued or have lower valuations right now due to the large dips. Got it. Anything else you'd be concerned about in terms of what you'd look for to a type of company you'd look to invest in right now? Um, right now, I look at mainly larger ones. I know the smaller cap stocks in particular have been suffering quite a lot and mm -hmm. their futures are more uncertain, especially with um, the, I guess, pause and all the economic activity right now. I'm just taking notes to, to mention later. Um, in terms of, <clears throat> okay, so that's great. And so in terms of you would invest in technology, kind of um, what if, like, what if like you thought, oh, Zoom's a great investment because there's all these, um, all these uh, work from home situations, but it's, you missed the boat and it's up 80%. Would you still invest in it? Um, well, I'd have to do further you, research. I yeah, guess on how, on how um, I believe the current market price reflects its valuation, but um, I guess, with just based on what I do know right now, um, I would be cautious of that because once the situ once everything returns to somewhat normal, um, perhaps Zoom will not be used to the extent it is right now. So um, they could see their subscriptions fall again, possibly. Okay, um, great. So let's talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, just a little bit more some like technical questions can you talk can you talk to me about just the different valuation methodologies you've been exposed to in your internships or mm -hmm. what you know about the different valuation methodologies mm -hmm. so there's um comparable transactions and that's um looking at especially in the same industry as whatever company you're looking at and seeing the uh, multiples that have been paid for other or the market valuations for comparable companies and um, determining a multiple based on that to value the company at. And then there's precedent transactions, which looks at uh, past transactions in the industry among comparable companies and seeing what multiples have been paid in those acquisitions. And then there's um, DCF to calculate based on a company's cash flow. Sorry, the first one you said <laughs> was called um, transactions? Comparable. Oh, compar trading comparables? Yes. Mm -hmm. or, or transactions, you said. Sorry, the Sorry, second ones you said transactions. I, the second one was precedent, and then the first one was comparable companies. Comparable companies. So what are you looking at there on comparables? Um, companies uh, in the similar industries with similar customer profiles um, and capital structures. and So private, uh, private companies there? Um, usually public. Public, okay. And so can you walk me through like how you'd specifically do that? So like give me an example of, of a public trading comp and do you have an example of something did you ever do that analysis have you ever done evaluation um i have not but an example would be looking at say mcdonald's and then um for comparable companies looking at other fast food companies like your burger king um or wendy's and um kind of comparing those and then uh and their market valuations and then also making adjustments for any differences in capital structure or um, growth profile in the companies. So can you talk me about, are, are you comfortable walking me through, like when you say look at, when you say look at other fast food companies, are you comfortable walking me through like what you would look at specifically and what types of like analyses you'd be doing to try and get to evaluation of McDonald's? Mm -hmm. So you um, really focus on some of the key ratios, like 
PE ratio and then um, EV EBITDA ratio. Yep. Okay. And so what would you do with those, with that group? Um, well, you could, you would have um, the different multiples and look at those among the various companies and you'd have to account for the differences in those companies and the one that you, um, you're looking at, the company whose valuation you're trying to determine and using those and accounting for those differences to arrive at a multiple range for the company's valuation. Okay. And then what about uh, other valuation? So you said there's the trading comparables, there's the precedent transactions <coughs> or acquisitions. Um, yes. Do you know what a control premium is? Um, I do not. Okay. So we can go through that. You'll, you can review it in the, in the course, but um, what about a discounted cash flow analysis, a DCF? Want me to walk you through that? that yeah, that'd be great. You're, you lost your audio again a little bit. Let me see. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, Nate, talk again. Um, can you hear me now? <laughs> You're kind of cutting in and out. I don't know if it's your speaker. Do you have a plug-in headset, mm -hmm. buddy? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so yeah, you got your audio back. So let's talk about DCF. <laughs> Okay, um, so this is determining valuation just based on the single company's financials. So first you want to start looking at their cash flows and projecting out their free cash flow. And to do that, you look at earnings before interest after taxes. So and before then, you even get into that, can you tell me what is the whole point of discounted cash flow? Like what's the theory behind it? Okay, so um, this isn't as market-based as doing comparable companies or precedent transactions valuation method. It's looking just at the one single company and it's using their financial um their free cash flow and projecting that out to determine evaluation so you project what are you, for what are you doing after you project the free cash flow what are you doing to try you're and discounting that back to the present value perfect okay so yeah so why don't you go ahead and walk me through how do you get the to those free cash flows those free mm -hmm. cash. so for free cash flow you start with earnings before interest after taxes and then you add back in depreciation and amortization since those are non-cash expenses. And then you subtract out um, capital expenditures as well as um, the change in networking capital to arrive at free cash flow value. And you have those, you project that out usually for a five-year period. And then you also need a terminal value to account for the cash flows in the years beyond the projection period. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. There's two different methods for doing that. You can use the perpetuity growth method, or you can just use um, terminal at mul exit multiple. And when you, and then you um, calculate the weighted average cost of capital, which is the blended required rate of return based on the company's capital structure, uh, accounting for both the equity and the debt portion. So if, you, if a company, if, let's say there's two exactly equal companies, mm -hmm. would you expect a company with higher debt to have a, a lower or higher weighted average cost of capital? That would have a higher weighted cost of capital usually because of their higher debt amount. It's actually the reverse. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, typically equity is more expensive required. Now, right, okay. There's a higher debt, debt than typically, I mean, yeah. So, um, so like in terms of capital, if everything else is equal between mm -hmm. two companies, the one with higher, higher debt, um, blended the blended weighted average cost of capital mm -hmm. for that um for that sentence will be lower um assuming they're not paying a crazy high interest rate on debt because they're <laughs> levered or something um so in terms of um okay so yeah you understand dcf pretty well um 
talk to me a little bit about, let me see what I, I can ask you. That's kind of very common. You talked, you talked me through valuation. Um, you talked me through like why investment banking. Um, I'm not going to ask you specifically like why this company, because I assume you've already spoken with people here. And so you um, kind of have that idea. I'm looking through um, some of these. Um, do you, are you comfortable doing like uh, how, what, like a $10 increase in depreciation expense, how it would flow through the free statement through, through I think the, so. your financial statements? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a tough you one. Say, it's, it's, do you say yeah. an increase in depreciation or a decrease? Uh, an increase. An increase. Okay. So an increase in depreciation is going to cause a decrease in net income, um, but that not by the total amount because um, it's a tax deductible expense. Mm-hmm. So that um, decrease in net income, then it, on the cash flow statement, on the cash flow from operations, it's going to decrease that cash flow from operations, but then you have to add back in because uh, depreciation is a non-cash expense. Um, and cash flow from operations. So let's say then, it's ten dollar. Let's say it's a ten dollar increase in depreciation expense. Okay. So it's, um, if assuming a tax rate of effective tax rate of forty percent, then an increase in depreciation of ten dollars is going to cause a um, decrease in net income by six dollars. So it's mm-hmm. one minus the tax rate. Yeah. Um, and then on the because there's four dollars paid in taxes on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so then in cash flow from operations, that's going to have a decrease in cash flow from operations of $6. But then because the depreciation is a non-cash expense, you have to add that back um, in cash flow from operations. But then on the and then on the balance sheet in property plant and equipment, that increase in depreciation is going to cause a um, decrease in the value of those assets. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other side of that, that, um, that decrease in, uh, taxes being paid is going to cause an increase in cash. And that also shows up on the, uh, cash flow statement. Great. How about the balance sheet? Or on the balance sheet, um, it's going to be an increase in cash, but then a decrease in PP&E. Yep. Yeah. Uh, how much does PP&E decrease? Um, by the it's by ten dollars yeah, by ten exactly and then overall assets fall by four right because you have cash going up by four mm-hmm. I'm sorry overall assets fall by six cash goes up by four PPE drops by ten mm-hmm. yeah and then that also affects retained earnings or shareholders exactly. equity retained earnings that'll drop by yep drop by six mm-hmm. cool pretty good now the question is if we threw a lot of harder numbers out there and reverse <laughs> the order how quickly you could get through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good one to practice just going through right. financial statements because it's a very common question. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, what do I like here? So if I was, uh, if let's say I'm in this, in this crisis, this recession, right. Mm-hmm. Going on right now with COVID and, um, I'm an investor and, I'm invested. I have, let's say I have, um, I have a decision of where I want to invest in the capital structure. And I know that there's a company that's was before everything hit, you know, everything went down. It was 
a $200 million company, let's say, but I know after all that, all that's going on, um, the value of that company is going to get slashed in half. It's going to go to a hundred million. And we know that, um, there's, there's, uh, a good amount of debt on this company. There's senior debt. There's, um, there's basically, you know, senior debt with like bank loans that's has actual, has actual, um, assets backing it. There's subordinated or high yield debt. And then there's, um, preferred stock and, and common stock. Where would you think about, how would you think about like where you would want to be on that capital stack? Given knowing that things were going headed south. Mm-hmm. Well, with interest rates being so low right now, um, that's definitely, that impacts ICE, the debt portion a lot. Um, and then with equity values being very depreciated right now, perhaps that would be um, a better opportunity to a better place for more with more opportunity for profits is with it. Yeah. So like assuming the interest were already set, so they already, they already issued the bond, okay. they already issued the the term loans. So it's not them going out to raise new debt. It's like that debt's on the, on the balance sheet. So let's, let's pretend, let's say it's 120, $120 million of debt, uh, of which 80 million is uh, senior secured and 40 is subordinated debt, like high yield bonds. Mm-hmm. Where would you want to be if the market went from a $200 million value, value for the whole company to a hundred million dollars? Oh, okay. In that situation uh, where- Are where, you saying equity or debt or, or specifically? Yeah, equity, debt, or where in the, de- if, mm-hmm. if debt, where in the debt? Um, probably on the debt side, if, um, if I invested at the higher valuation, um, just because the equity value is so far low, but um, with the senior debt, at least In this case, back. the equity is completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if the equity is wiped out, then I'd want to be in the senior debt because that's backed by assets. And if with the uncertainty in the economic picture, um, the uh, high yield debt is a lot more risky. Well, based on what I'm saying, what what do you around where, where do you think the high yield bonds would be trading? Oh, if, oh okay. Where do you think, what do you think they'd be worth around ballpark? Because, you know, I said it goes from the value of the company went from 200 to 100. We have about 80 million of senior secured debt and about 40 of high yield bonds around. Where do you think? That'd be around 20 now because I think it'd it be around, 40, there's $40 million and I'm saying there's about $20 million of actual value in the company left. So I would say around 50 cents on the dollar. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So about Sorry. half. So it's like 40, right. there's 40 million issued of high yield debt, 80 million. And then, you know, this is very rough numbers. It doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. to trade around, but if, if, if it was known that, Hey, the, the, if you were to liquidate this company um, and, you know, do whatever, or the value of this company is now only a hundred million, the high yield bonds would be trading at distress levels. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of what you're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a lot of these companies that, have um, a lot of high yield debt on their balance sheets. Mm-hmm. They're starting to trade at um, um, trade at a discount, or or to issue new debt. There's a huge huge spread now between right. um, you know the senior secured um, loans and, and high yield people. Are, the investors are now requiring a very big premium yes. <laughs> um, in order to invest in high yield. Um, so tell me a little bit about. Um, so we can we can cut it there. I think that was good. So um, let's go back through it a little bit. I think your answers on, um, like, walk me through. I think it was good. It was a little healthcare heavy, 
um, around mm-hmm. like medicine, medicine, because your, your personal story about mm-hmm. going through there. So I tried to get to your, your why finance kind of earlier. Okay. Um, because like there, most people aren't going to like my, my snarky comment of like, well, why not just go into medicine then mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want them to even like partially think of that. Cause like you're, mm-hmm. you're super sharp. You seem really like gung ho about it. I think get, get faster to the, like, you know, I was initially do this, like maybe hit one point of how that introduced you to stuff and how that, okay. that influenced you, but then quickly jump to how you were introduced to finance okay. and how that mm-hmm. excited you. <clears throat> um, why investment banking with your answers, you know, rather than being so more broad stroke around, like, um, you know, I spoke with her and it was, you know, a growth equity firm and this, I would really tailor it depending on who you're talking to. If you're talking to a growth equity firm, right. be more specific about the growth equity person mm-hmm. and what specifically about her looking at these types of deals and how she was helping them grow and investing in this. Be very specific. If it's, mm-hmm. if you're talking to an investment banker, don't talk to me about growth equity. Right. How that interested okay. you. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the banker, the, the, the woman you were mentioning and the deals she was doing mm-hmm. and be more specific in your explanation of how she was doing sell side M&A. Okay. Like just getting more comfortable using that lingo. So mm-hmm. they're like, wow, she gets it. So then I can, then, then I can ask you more detailed follow-ups um, mm-hmm. such as like, okay, well tell me about a deal that she did mm-hmm. and um, what was interesting about that. And you know, how did she, how did she, okay, walk me through an M&A process then. Mm-hmm. What is a sell side M&A process look like? And then I might go down mm-hmm. that that path. Okay. Um, so if you can get comfortable with those and just give a little bit more detail to kind of show off a little bit more that you know what they're doing mm-hmm. with the, with the right lingo, mm-hmm. okay. um, you're going to sound more knowledgeable instead of um, just saying, no, they worked hard and it was, uh, or it seemed like interesting work because they were helping these companies. Mm-hmm. Some of the language you're using was very kind of like broad and it didn't give me a sense that you knew really the day to day and okay. like what it was. So that was like, little things. It wasn't, your answers weren't bad by any means. And like the way you held you, you you were composed was really good. Um, the thing I was going to ask you about, uh, when we were talking about, like, I talked a lot about recession, a lot about what are you looking at the stock market, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You gave some great comments about, you know, looking at technology stocks that aren't as impacted, like the work from home stuff. That was good. Um, the one thing I was kind of, you were, you were talking about, like you said, bigger companies, um, mm-hmm. I would look at bigger companies because all the smaller companies are kind of getting hurt. Um, mm-hmm. I think you want to be a little more nuanced in talking about the balance sheet. Okay. I think you want to talk about like safety. So like the types of mm-hmm. the types of um, investments that would be really good right now are like consumer staples, stuff that isn't going to go down in recessions, like a Costco, mm-hmm. a Walmart, um, a, a Kraft Heinz, a Kellogg. These mm-hmm. things that are it tends to be more stable dividend playing stocks should should in a recession fare better than a uh, an airline stock like right mm-hmm. now or a travel or a you know a casino stock or a <laughs> you know what I mean. So just have a mm-hmm. little bit more perspective sense. and nuance around there and be more opinionated about it. Okay. Um, and then talk about the balance sheet. Be like you know I you know, to invest right now, I'd be a lot more cautious and I'd want to make sure that the balance sheet is strong and could, could withstand, um, lower cash flows pretty significantly. So I don't want to be investing in companies that are, um, very highly levered and industries are going to be potentially shut down or, or, or partially shut down for an extended period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think being really knowledgeable on this stuff and reading more about like that, obviously Mm -hmm. you can say, obviously there's a lot more upside, if I'm investing in the airlines because mm-hmm. they've been so hammered right. or like oil with the supply shock. So that's another mm-hmm. thing I could ask you about. It's like, tell me what's going on with oil right now. And mm-hmm. like, you could talk about it's a double whammy 
shock right now. It's a supply shock um, because the Saudis are in a price war with Russia mm-hmm. and they're just putting out a $25 uh, a barrel oil, which is incredibly low. And m- most of the producers aren't profitable until you hit around 40, 50, $60 a barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a supply shock because they're literally just ramping up supply of super cheap oil. And so, so, and it's a demand shock in the sense that we're headed into recession with the, with the virus, everything mm-hmm. being shut down. So less people are traveling, less people are doing all this stuff. So the demand for, for oil is going down. So it's like a double whammy, literally hitting on both sides. And so mm-hmm. you can say, that's why the oil companies, the Exxon's of the world, the Chevron's, the, the ETF XLE is just getting completely obliterated. Mm-hmm. So you can say that could, that could be something that you allocate a small amount to because you feel like it's been oversold. Um, however, like you said, it's super volatile, but you're young. And you feel like mm-hmm. over the long run, you don't see oil at $25 or $30 a barrel indefinitely. Or you say something along the lines of, um, you know, airlines and whatnot. I feel like um, there's very much going to be a bailout. They're not going to let the airlines fail. So I'm going mm-hmm. to invest um, in the airlines that have the strongest balance sheets, like the Deltas and not the Uniteds and Americans of the world. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, <laughs> So it helps to have like some opinions about this stuff and potentially mm-hmm. like even show that you're interested in, in investing. Even mm-hmm. if you only have like, you know, $500 to invest, <laughs> right. whatever it is, like just, just showing a little bit of that mm-hmm. because I can guarantee some of the bankers will be interested because they're like looking at deals and want to hear your opinion on mm-hmm. it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. And I guess that if I was interviewing for a specific coverage group too, then that would totally industry group that would. So yeah. The other, the only thing that. is like you, you kind of mentioned it when you were saying like, I'd go for the big companies, but I think what you're trying to say is like, you were trying to say like the less volatile things and the, the mm-hmm. ones, cause some of the big companies, some massive companies are in huge trouble. Look at Boeing. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I don't know. I mean, they're now probably going to get a bailout, but you know, a week ago, that was a very, very touch and go situation. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Trump's kind of saying they're going to, he's kind of been pushing them to get that, but um, they're in really bad shape because they were already in bad shape before this whole mess happened. Mm-hmm. Um so just try to be more specific and more financially oriented in your, in your answers, if that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like just show, so like, oh, so perfect example. So then we started talking about um, valuation methodologies. Be careful because initially you said trading. Um, hey, I think I tripped up on my the words there. The words you tripped up, you were talking about trading comparables and you said, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you said, you know, you look at the companies that are similar. But when you're talking about trading comparables, it's really about the public companies in the stock market. Mm-hmm. You're take, taking what they're trading at right? In, in the public markets. So I asked, is that private? I kind of tried to trick you. I said, is that private mm-hmm. markets? You said, no, it's usually public, which is good. <clears throat> so, um, so, but talk specifically about the types of multiples you look at. So mm-hmm. in some places we would look at um, EV to revenue, enterprise value to revenue, enterprise value mm-hmm. to EBITDA, enterprise value to you know, blah, 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 and talk about those multiples. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, maybe even have some examples. Um, mm-hmm. that. So um, you talked about the acquisitions, precedent transactions or acquisitions. That's good. Um, learn what a control premium is. It's typically the additional amount they have to pay over and above what it would be valued at to take own, to take full ownership of a company. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's typically a, a, a premium paid over and above what the, the business is worth to gain full control mm-hmm. of it. That's usually why precedent transactions yields the highest, the highest. outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So like a strategic a strategic buyer that buys XYZ company that's like their direct competitor, there's additional value and synergies 
in taking ownership of that competitor um, over and above what the pure maybe cash flows are, are showing mm-hmm. the value of that company. Okay. Because maybe then they get more pricing power. Maybe mm-hmm. they can um, consolidate all their SG&A expense into one kind of central office. Maybe mm-hmm. um, company A that's buying company B has a better marketing engine that they can immediately attach to market, you know, company B's mm-hmm. product portfolio and, and boom, explode sales. So there's a lot of things um, that you can um, kind of mention in terms of, in mm-hmm. terms of that. Um, and then, yeah, so just talk more about like the, yeah, just the ratios, be very specific. And ideally you can do an exam, like talk about an example, like you talked about McDonald's, that's awesome. But then tell, if you have that as your example, McDonald's, who are the comps for McDonald's? I'm going to like push you. Right. So mm-hmm. tell me like, you know, um, I don't even know who Starbucks or, um, a, um, what is it called? The Kentucky fried chicken and the, the K and the, I don't okay. even know. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple out there, right. That mm-hmm. are big fast food chains, um, that are publicly traded like a Chipotle mm-hmm. right. or something and talk about, even talk about maybe like where the multiples are trading for each of those, the PE ratios versus the, mm-hmm. the EV, the EBITDA versus the, um, okay. I think it'd be good, good to have that in your back pocket. Cause as mm-hmm. an example, I think it really shows that you've, it's not just a theoretical thing. You mm-hmm. actually have like thought about it on in a specific industry. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, anything surprise you on that? I asked you. Um, not really. <laughs> not really. It's okay. Down the middle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that was a pretty much down the middle interview. I was a little bit snarky at the beginning with your, um, saying, well, why finance, not medicine, but like, don't let stuff like that. If somebody's really like in a bad mood or they're being aggressive for whatever reason, or they're being snarky, just be positive and upbeat like you were right? and just continue because mm-hmm. it happens a lot. Sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes there's two people in a room and you'll have right. a good cop and a bad cop. And one person will be a complete jerk to you. And the other person will be, will be like nodding and really receptive. Mm-hmm. And they want to see, do you just completely ignore the person that's like, being a jerk or are you trying mm-hmm. to still pull them in and engage them? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like mental games on top right. of all the other <laughs> stuff you have to worry about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, overall it's great. I think a little more, a little more studying on the technical, the valuations, yeah. getting a little bit more well versed right. with the, the lingo, I think will do you a lot of, a lot of good. Okay. Um, and then maybe we should do it again because I think like, I can, it gives me a really good sense of where you are. Mm-hmm. And I think we could get you to a point where you're just like a machine for interviewing. <laughs> and they like start actually asking you really tough stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. the goal. You don't, if you're, if you're fumbling through, like you weren't fumbling through, but if you're not like really nailing the, the basic stuff, they're probably going to just be like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And they'll, they'll kind of cut you some slack. Um, mm-hmm. but if you like nail the tough stuff and then you're able to get like the intermediate and some of the advanced, they're going to walk out be like, we want to hire her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what you mm-hmm. want. You want to, you want to impress them with your knowledge. Um, and so I think, and you know, we'll make sure you have access to like all the financial modeling stuff. So you can kind of mm-hmm. dig in more there. I think you're going to, you may have a lot more time this summer than you think, or, or like <laughs> the online classes than you think. Um, yeah. <laughs> But you've been, you've, this is great. Um, the other stuff, I asked you a lot of questions around like um, kind of a tough question around where would you invest in the capital structure? It's a little bit more of my, mm-hmm. restructure, my restructuring roots where mm-hmm. like in a distressed situation, where do you want to be? And mm-hmm. you can just think of that like, where would you want to be where it's safest? 
mm-hmm. right? Where senior secured is the safest. Now, if um, I gave you, I gave you a scenario where like the value was cut in half from 200 million to a hundred million. So like debt that's under that hundred million dollar thing is pretty safe, especially if it's secured, but if it's mm-hmm. a high yield and it's like 120 million, it was going up to 120. So the stack was like, uh, here's a hundred million to senior that's safe. Sorry, mm-hmm. here's 80 million to senior. The value of the company's here. But the problem is there's high yield like here. So these two fingers are below, are gone, mm-hmm. right? So just think each of these fingers is $10 million. These two are gone. Mm-hmm. So you only have like this whole, this whole thing's at risk. And the equity is completely wiped out. All the equity has been mm-hmm. completely wiped out. So it's like zero. So if you had said common stock or preferred stock, that's a big eh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that's not where you want to be um, mm-hmm. in the downturn. Um, so yeah, any other questions or other ways that can be helpful? I thought I thought overall it was really good. I thought um, just little little tiny tweaks and mm-hmm. just showing off a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like just showing your knowledge. Um, I thought DCF, you were really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep practicing with it. Right, okay. Um, yeah, because I could have asked you like, oh, so you were really strong in the DCF, but then when I asked you weighted average cost of capital, Two, two exact companies with the higher amount of debt. Remember, debt is the cheaper. Right. Debt, debt's the cheaper um, cost of capital. So if there's more, more debt, um, other things being equal, in terms of a ratio of the whole capital structure, it tends to have a lower whack mm-hmm. okay. for, the same, for the same company, other things being equal. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Anything else <laughs> That's I can? Helpful. Yeah, no, I, I, and I think, you know, you've already started kind of going through taking a little bit of time to start training. I would keep doing that. Like again, mm-hmm. just half hour, hour a week, you'll, you'll start getting really good, but mm-hmm. could you do videos <laughs> of yourself answering? Like, I don't know, have your mom or somebody just like ask you, <laughs> like just print out the guide and be like, ask me anything from here mm-hmm. to the point okay. where like you can give, you can give like similar sample answers there. Mm-hmm. I think if you can get to that point where you're answering 80, 90% of them by the, by the start of your sophomore year, like by through the summer, 80, 90% of you're really like nailing them. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in awesome shape for sophomore um, okay. interviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. And okay. you, have, you have time, you have a lot right. of time. So that's the mm-hmm. thing. Um, anything else I can help with on the interview prep stuff? Um, I don't think so. At least not right now, since I don't, have anything imminent coming up so yeah did you have um have you taken a lot of finance courses at Fordham yet have no you um in the fall I'll be doing a lot though okay did they just not like do you is there a lot of like liberal arts stuff you had to take yeah so I mean I've <laughs> had a few business related classes so far but it'll get a lot heavier in, uh, this fall it's all going to connect actually studying right. for this is going to make those courses easier mm-hmm like it's all going to start like the web in your head, all the neurons and the neural pathways are going to start like <laughs> connecting. You'll be like, what is this? And what's that? And it's all, you're going to learn the corporate finance together and cap end model. And it's mm-hmm. all going to come together and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I'm really getting it. It's going to really help yeah. you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be taking an actual accounting class this fall. So nice. nice. Yeah. I could have asked you a lot of questions about uh, change in networking capital specifically. Mm-hmm. I have two companies, one's growing faster. The other one's growing. Um, and they have, uh, you know, heavy uh, networking capital requirements. Which one would you invest in, or which ones mm-hmm. has the what, what's the profile of the cash flows for two one one growing company, and that's growing mm-hmm. really fast, and one's growing slower. 
is working capital ties up a lot of cash, right? Um, right. I might, mm-hmm. ask you, I might ask you to explain that. No, that's I, like the that. source of cash, cash use of cash. Yeah, so source of cash, but, but, in t- but, but like ask you to actually explain why it's a source of cash or why it's a use of cash. Mm-hmm. So just thinking conceptually, not just, okay, I know that's a source of cash when I add, have to add it back on the cash flow statement mm-hmm. to, get, to get all the numbers to work and my balance mm-hmm. need to balance, but actually understanding why is that. Mm-hmm. So like when a company, so let's, I'll just explain. So um, accounts, let's take accounts receivable as an example. Um, a company that's growing super, super, super fast, um, their AR, their accounts receivable is going to be going up, right? Mm-hmm. So that accounts receivable means they haven't been paid yet. So if their accounts receivable are going up, they're owed more and more and more money, which means overall their cash is lower and lower and lower. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So yes. like, mm-hmm. like it, basically, it basically means that they're owed more and more and more money. So even though they're making more, um, their cash flow, if, if, if their ARs get stretched, if the days get stretched, they could actually be in a cash crunch even though they're exploding in growth. Okay, that makes sense. So like something that's, that's why you see these companies, sometimes they, they grow into like death because they just have such a, they're, they're growing so fast. They need capital, capital injection, capital injection, capital injection. So these VC funds, they'll, they'll back companies that are like super cash flow negative because they see, they're like, well, now's the time to grow. And the reason it's so cash flow negative is because it's working, there's a high um, working capital requirement for it. Maybe it needs a lot of mm-hmm. inventory. Maybe it needs a lot of, um, maybe AR is just growing so fast. So like, for example, inventory is a great one. Um, Dell computer notoriously has very low inventory because they only hold kind of what they need as like, once mm-hmm. you order your computer, like it's called just in time inventory and they'll, they'll order just those parts and bring them in and, and build your computer and send it out. But like a company like a, beverage company that has to pre-manufacture these bottles and hold them and then ship them if it's growing really fast it has to pre-order or like let's say you're you're making a widget you have to pre-order all this stuff if your company's growing like this you have to you have to keep buying more inventory more inventory more inventory Mm -hmm. to well in advance months sometimes six months in advance of when you're actually going to sell that Mm -hmm. so you have to put so much money up front and you have to keep putting in more and more to hit those higher and higher sales. So it's mm-hmm. a huge cash drain. <clears throat> and that's what, that's what it means when they say there's heavy networking capital requirement. The working mm-hmm. capital is, is, you know, the capital needed to, for this company to work. The capital needed mm-hmm. to, to keep, continue this company is just massive. So um, other things being equal, you'd actually rather invest in a company that has low working capital requirements. Because mm-hmm. it's just going to be spitting off cash a lot faster and easier, even in, in times where it's growing fast. Is that like an airline where they have a lot of deferred revenue? It's like they're getting the cash up front and then. Oh, deferred revenue is massively capital intense, right? Or capital intense. Okay. Like they have they had the leases. They have to sign these leases up front. Okay. Or the, if they own the planes, that's like a huge, huge, uh, huge expense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. They are, I mean, they're collect. the good part is um, they're collecting before actually servicing the tickets and flying people. They're typically collecting that revenue mm-hmm. well months in advance, but it's so cap, it's such a capital intensive industry. It's why there's so many bankruptcies mm-hmm. in the airlines historically. <laughs> like there's a reason, there's a reason <laughs> right. it's, it's a really tough business. Um, price of oil, if it spikes and goes way out the roof, like let's say I said it's you know, $30, $40 a barrel, it's up at 120. All mm-hmm. of a sudden- it's super expensive to fly people everywhere. Right. Um, and so that, that, that's more like the, just the, the basic uh, 
risk factors of, of airlines and commodity um, mm-hmm. businesses that depend on commodities and commodity prices, which can fluctuate wildly. Um, but I think um, understanding uh, the net change in working capital when you're talking through a DCF and just thinking, oh, and you add back net change in working capital, like being able to understand mm-hmm. the nuances behind, okay, well, what goes into that change in net working capital? And understanding like AR, AR days, AP, accounts payable, accounts mm-hmm. payable days. So what are ways I could make my uh, change in networking capital decrease? Thinking through that, how could mm-hmm. I actually, okay, get more aggressive on collections so AR goes down. Um, mm-hmm. Stretch out my payables so my vendors that are selling me the stuff I need to do be like, uh, we'll pay you in 10 days. No, just kidding, we'll pay you in 30, we'll pay you in 60. Mm-hmm. Actually, our terms are now 90. Sorry, we're gonna pay you in 90 days. Do you know how much that helps you in terms of retaining cash in the business? A lot. Mm-hmm. So like getting really aggressive, pay us, pay us, pay us, pay us, pay us to your customers faster if, mm-hmm. if, it is, if it is a delay to get paid and then stretching out your payables. So you mm-hmm. want your days payable as long as, as possible. You want your mm-hmm. AR days to be as short as possible and you want your inventory requirements, your CapEx to, to or your inventory requirements to be as low as possible. So okay. can we change to a just-in-time inventory? Can we actually make it so we don't need to order seven months in advance or six months in advance? Can we order just a month in advance and still stay and have our in- inventory turns increase? So instead of um, us turning our inventory two times a year, where we're having to order six months in advance, six months in advance, and are, are only turning over our inventory twice a year, can we order one month in advance and turn it 12 times a year? So that you have much smaller um, capital requirements or, or working capital required for that inventory. Okay. So that retains a lot more cash in the business because you're not making these huge purchases and then mm-hmm. having to sell into it and another huge purchase, it's like you're, you're turning the inventory much faster. So you're only holding at any given time a much smaller percentage of your, of your cost of goods sold. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> so like really understanding those, those tweaks because if they get into it, they can, they can push you on that. And if you show that you have that knowledge and that'll come with also doing some of the financial modeling stuff mm-hmm. um, and playing around with, oh, what, what happens when I change inventory turns what happens when i you know when i increase inventory turns oh cool look cash goes up like i'm retaining more cash in the business mm-hmm. or what happens when i stretch ar days or or if i bring in ar days or i stretch ap or accounts payable mm-hmm. so knowing all that stuff i think is really really like just the, those little nuances and being able to explain them well um can make you a stronger interviewer okay this is really helpful thank you <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's cool the second like actual mock interview i've done so <laughs> It's the first one you've done? Um, first, like, mock interview. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, no, it's super helpful. I think um, a lot of this I'm just talking to you about, like, other things you can focus on. Yeah. Um, and you'll see some of this stuff on in the in – the, you see almost all of this stuff in the investment banking interview course we have. Mm-hmm. But you have to really make sure you're stepping away and you're not – like, if you don't really understand what each line means, stepping away and be like, well, what does that actually mean in the context of an actual business? And mm-hmm. always try to, like – bring it back to an example. Be like, well, what would happen? Just say I'm a widget maker. Just like I make, uh, I make these pens, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, what's my, who are my suppliers? Who are my, who are my clients? Office, office stores and companies. Who are, you know, who are my, um, who are my vendors? Oh, I have to buy this rubber piece. I need to buy the, you know, whatever it is, the ink in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, <laughs> ink is a commodity and it's been shooting up in price. It's killing me. Or, you know, these pens are very special. It has the fine felt tip or whatever. And it's, it's hard to get. So I have to buy out, you know, I have my lead time on the inventory for this 
is five months. It's killing us. Oh, I found a new supplier. They can get it to us in two months instead of six. That's huge for us. We can turn our inventory a lot faster so we don't have to order so much at once. Mm -hmm. So that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've repeated it like a hundred times. I just think it's good to hear it a hundred times. Yeah. Oh no, repetition. Yeah. Repetition is like- <laughs> you learn something. Yeah. So um, I think just keep going through the, the course. Um, I think for the networking, do just continue. Are you doing like a certain set amount each day? I know you're still online classes and it's been kind of a hectic time, but um, do you have a set like schedule that you're following? Um, not exactly. I just- it kind of ebbs and flows just based on responses. And like I said, I haven't really been doing like cold reach outs at all the past couple of weeks. It's more just been people I've had phone calls with and then they've referred me to someone else. So yes, yeah, so um, you haven't been doing like the, um, the LinkedIn stuff lately. Not the past couple of weeks, not since yeah. all this started. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think maybe mid April you can kind of start up again. Mm-hmm. assuming things are kind of starting to go back to right. normal. Um, but if it's, you know, I, I would still in your, in your outreach, say something along like, hope, hope you're staying safe. Just right. uh, figured, you know, you might have some time now that, you know, things are sort of gradually getting back to normal. Um, I'd love to just chat for 10 minutes to hear more about, you know, BMO or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever the, the firm is. Um, I think just continuing to do that and build those relationships that's going to be the most important thing. Um, I think you have the time to kind of get the technical skills down to get the interviewing skills down. I think we should keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's yeah, going well. to be very helpful to you um, when you get in that interview room. So you've heard, I, and I can do different types. You know what I mean? I could, mm-hmm. I, we didn't even do behavioral. Right. Um, and so a lot of times it's behavioral. It's not oftentimes so finite, so technical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what a lot of people I've talked to recently have told me, especially at certain firms, that it's really just the behaviorals that matter. Yeah, they want to know, like, are you a hard worker? Can you figure it out? Because, mm-hmm. like, even if you don't know, like, every little intricacy of, you know, capital structures and weird debt tranches and, like, preferred shares, convertibles <laughs> and all this weird stuff, if you don't know all that stuff, that's stuff you can learn. And it's, right. um, it's more about your attitude and are you willing to work hard. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, anything else I can be helpful with um, before we call it? Um, I don't think so. Okay, so let's let's try to do this again next month. Mm-hmm. Let, remind me, let's do another mock interview. Okay. Because <laughs> I think it was good. I think you know mm-hmm. I, it kind of gave me a good sense of where you are at, where you're at, and I think you can um, gradually just keep getting more specific, more refined in your answers. And feel mm-hmm. free to just record yourself, even if it's your. Do you have okay. a brother? Do you have a brother or sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Younger or older? Younger brother. <laughs> Perfect. Just be like, hey take this, <laughs> force him. <laughs> my sister used to force me to do, uh, my older sister forced me to do whatever she wanted. So you, you probably the boss. Um, so you can get him to hopefully uh, ask you some questions and just mm-hmm. put, a, put, your, put your phone there and just record yourself while you're doing it. Okay. Because you'll find some stuff. You'll be like, oh man, I could answer that better. Or then you'll look at the course, like the sample answers. And you'll be like, oh, okay, let me, let me do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Through that practice, you'll get so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally ten, again. <laughs> like literally 10 times better. You will, mm-hmm. your, your 20th interview versus your fifth is just like night and day. Mm-hmm. So, um, ideally you're doing that 20th interview, bef- um, by yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, not in the mm-hmm. real deal. Um, yeah, but cool. Okay. Um, let me know if I can be helpful. We can do this again. And then, you know, in April, hopefully by the time we're talking next month, I am really hopeful <laughs> that like 
people are talking about like testing has been ramped and we're talking right. about like the curve coming down and we're talking about things opening back up. Um, right. If not, it's going to be a scary summer. Yeah. Really hope I can get back in the office soon. I think you will. <laughs> it may not be, sure. it may not be May, but I think for sure by June, I'm hopeful. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's yeah. okay. I mean, as long as you have, if you have something on the resume, I think it's okay. Um, and people mm -hmm. are going to be really understanding um, and with everything that's happened. So, yeah, I guess my um, university too is letting us do pass fail for any classes we want this semester. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any that you're going to do pass fail? I would, I would do, if you're going to get an A anyways, don't do pass fail. Right. But there's a few where I probably wouldn't. So like oh, B plus, there. like you're headed yeah. towards a B plus or B or A minus. Even, a so. minus. Well, that's like a three, six. It's a three. So I'm, I'm at a three, nine right now. So keep that up there. You want to keep it up. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I definitely avoid the B pluses and the Bs, mm -hmm. um, which sounds so funny but there's so much great inflation, but yeah, avoid that. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, a B. <laughs> um, you'll be okay. Um, but yeah, no, for your GPA to keep it up in the, the high threes is good. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, um, if you're going to get an A minus, if, if you think you can maybe get an A in something, you might have an A minus. Um, if you can get it to be an A, then keep it because it's going to make it harder than if you get an A minus later to drop it so much because it right. won't impact it as much. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So like if you get half A's and half A minuses, you're really heading in three, eight is perfect. Right. That's true. It's great. So, mm -hmm. um, and plus it builds some buffer in versus if you only have like five classes graded and then you get like right. somehow like a B like later on, it like drags it. Oh, that's right true. On. Yeah. So, um, cool. Okay. Well, uh, let me know if I can be helpful in between now and, you know, near end of April. Otherwise, uh, yeah, keep trying to spend that half hour, um, half mm -hmm. hour, hour each week with not just reviewing the, the course, but just try to maybe do a half hour study mm -hmm. and then half hour force somebody to, to, to interview you for a half hour Okay. <laughs> and, and record it. And then, um, just for yourself. And then mm -hmm. I'm from there. Um, yeah, hopefully next month we'll, we'll do it again and, and we'll see incremental improvements each time. Yes. Sounds good. All right, Grace. Thanks so much. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.